0: Alright, happy new year, everybody. I'll tell you, is that awesome or what? I'll tell man. Um. Let me, just, let me just say this, too, because I know who we want to be as a generous church. If, 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 if some of you, if you, if, you if, you're, if you live in the Roseland neighborhood, if you live in Inglewood, or you have friends there, make sure you tell them about the Porter's brand new church that's going to be started. Maybe some of you even felt prompted, you know what, I want to help kind of financially support what's going on there, or what Kingley's doing in Ghana. We'll find them before we get out of here. Hand them a check. Hand them a few dollars or something. I'll tell you what, I love, love, love this. And this is the stuff that's going on all the time. That I just want to make sure you guys got the chance to to experience too. So thank you so very much for for sharing with us. Uh, I'll tell you, here's where I want to start. I want to start with a uh, kind of a quick survey. Um, How many of you would say you are very observant? At least I'm a pretty observant person. Raise your hand. I'm an observant person. Go ahead and raise your hand real high. I would say I'm an observant kind of person. Let me see up there, everybody. Observant people. Okay, very good. Now, I got my hand up, uh, but the truth is I'm not really that observant. In fact, I mean, there's lots of times my wife, Sue, she's down in the front row, and she'll say, do you notice anything different? Right? I mean, that's a scary question, isn't it, guys? Notice anything different? I mean, because you got like five seconds, right? And you've got to be right. you got to nail it. It's kind of like, remember when you were a kid and the teacher would walk into the classroom and they'd say, oh, put your stuff away? We're going to have a pop quiz. Right? That's kind of like the marital or relational version of a, of a pop quiz, isn't it? Notice anything different, and, and and the truth is, by the, by the time they ask you notice anything different, it's already too late, isn't it? It's already too late. You've already blown it. So you might as well just go like, "I'm sorry, honey. I should have noticed. I'm an idiot. I don't know how you put up with me." And just you know, <laughs> fall on the sword. Here, here's the honest, good, as truth. I, in fact, this illustrates how I'm not very observant. Um, one time, Sue and I this has been a few years ago. We went over to a friend of ours up in Geneva. Jim and Julie was their name. Here's their name, and. Um, While we were there, I think they had us over for dinner. We were going out or something. We were at their house, and I noticed a print on their wall. And so I told Julie, I said, oh, Julie, I I really like this picture. And then Sue says, well, you should. And I was like, well, well, why? And she said, because we gave it to them. (laughs) And that's not all. Then she says, and secondly, because we have the exact same print in our house. true story. Not always very observant. Um, I'll tell you, what, here's what I want to I want to try something, though, to test this out. Okay, we're going to just divide the room right down the middle here, okay? I want everybody on this side of the room, I want everybody to stand up. On this side of the room, everybody just stand up. Over here, everybody stand up. And I want you to take a look at all the folks over there, okay? As best you can. You got kind of a nice little slope there. Look at all the people over here, kind of take in the middle. What do you see over here? Just make an observation. Make an observation. What do you see over there? Okay, mental note, mental note, mental note, got it? Okay, now you may sit down. Very good. Now we're going to have this side of the room. This side of the room, you all stand up, okay? And I want you to kind of take a gander over here. Look at these fine, good-looking folks over here. All right? Notice what you see. Make a little mental note about what you see over there. Okay, you got it? All right, go ahead and you can have a seat. And we're going to come back to that in just a moment. Now, one very quick observation either one of you could have made is... That I noticed that we're all sitting nicely in rows We're all facing forward We're listening intently You're looking at me Do you ever wonder How is it that we ended up sitting in rows in churches? I, I have kind of a theory I think it's partly because I think pastors I think pastors love rows I think pastors love rows because you know We kind of make our living in rows, don't we? They like to speak to people in rows. And in some ways, too, it's kind of a barometer of success, kind of a, a dashboard, kind of like the more, it's kind of like, it's almost like the more people you can get in rows, the more successful you are, right? I think pastors kind of like rows. And, and of course, it's also easier to take up an offering when you have people in rows, isn't it? It's kind of hard with everybody milling around to take up an offering. I think pastors like rows. And I like rows. I like, I like this opportunity to challenge you and exhort you and encourage you to hear stories like that when we sit in rows. But you know what I really like? Let me tell you what I love. I love circles. I love circles. And the reason I love circles more than I love rows is because of an observation I made about, as I read about the first church that Jesus left behind. And I think as we read about that first church, I think it it gives us a design for how we are supposed to live life. And here's what it says in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And this book of Acts is actually a book that... um, Lays out what the church is supposed to be like. And here's what he says. It's, just, it's kind of a long chunk, but let me read this to you. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. That's what they devoted themselves to. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They also broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added in a number daily those who are being saved. Now, as we read those verses, I think we can all observe about the early church a couple things. Maybe, let's go ahead and underline a couple of things. They continue to meet together in the temple courts. I would presume it's a good chance that they probably, when they came together in the temple courts, it might have been a lot like this for teaching, and they may have sat in rows. <clears throat> but look at this. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together. And then as we continue on, what we discover is that here they were in each other's houses, each other's, each other's dwelling places, eating together, sharing life in community together. And what I want to lay out for you today is at least four ways that they did life, not in rows, but in circles. This description of the early church begins with this kind of wholehearted devotion to God. And it's kind of, you can see kind of the horizontal, but there's also this vertical element, a relational dedication to each other the first thing we notice is that spiritual growth happens in circles as they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. And I want you to get this part here. This is really important. Notice that their pursuit, their devotion, was not a solitary individual activity. This was not something you did on your own. The early church understood that the relationship of God was something that would be experienced in community with other people. Otherwise, it would never be all that it could be. And so they learned together. They hung out together. They ate together. They prayed together. Sounds like a circle to me. I grew up in a church where uh, we did a lot of sitting in rows. Um, I grew up in church. They actually had pews. You guys every, know what pews are? Okay. <coughs> if, you haven't, if you don't know what a pew is, actually, go over to Front Street Cantina. Anybody need a Front Street Cantina? No, we're on Jefferson. Just go in there, sit down, and look down. Actually, what they have there is they have wooden pews. And they're designed so that everybody sits in a row that's the kind of church I grew up in. But I'll tell you what I remember most from my church is the circles. Lots of circles. I was in fifth grade. I remember I was a small uh, part of a small group of boys who met during the week, or met on, the, on every Sunday. And it was, called, uh, it was called Sunday school. Some of you went to Sunday school. I had a teacher named Mr. Walrath. Mr. Walrath was one of these guys. He, he just had a way of making all of us. We'd laugh. He kind of made us feel good about ourselves. He would talk about whatever we wanted to talk about, and we would sit in a circle as fifth grade boys, and we learned to pray. And we would sit in a circle, and we learned about Jesus. And it was circles like that and other circles that I think is the reason that I'm a follower of Jesus today. And I want you to know something, too. What we do in our kids' city, we have large group times where they do sit in rows. And what we'd also do in our student community, they come in here on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night, and they do sit in rows, but the most important activity that we have them is we make sure they also sit in circles, that they're in a small group. And here's why. There's no doubt about this. It's absolutely conclusively true, that when it comes to growing spiritual, spiritually, circles are better than rows. Not only are they better at spiritually, but they're also better at meeting our physical needs. As we continue and look at this verse, look at verses 44 and 45. It says all the believers were together. They had everything in common. They actually sold their property possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, what we had going on here, this wasn't a forced kind of sell your property and give it to the poor, kind of a weird kind of cult-like, kind of communistic kind of deal here. What it was it was just generosity was a value. And these people were friends. And so when you have a friend who needs something, what do you do? You come through for them. And that's what we see. That's what happened there. What does it look like today? I mean, you know that we know what it looks like today. It might be running an errand for somebody who's in, who's sick or in need. It might be snow blowing. You know, somebody's driver because they're physically unable to. It might be making a meal for somebody because, because of a crisis is going on in their family. It might be loaning them your car because their car is broken down. That's what the kind of stuff we're talking about. And when we sit in rows, if we only sit in rows, if we only sit in rows. You only see the back of somebody else's head, right? And they only see the back of somebody else's head. But when you sit in a circle, when you sit in a circle, what happens is you're able to see each other. You're able to hear and see the needs that they have. And they can hear and they can see the needs that you have. That's why circles are even better than rows when it comes to meeting physical needs. It's not just spiritually, it's not just physically, but also when it comes to emotional support. It's fascinating, PBS commissioned a study uh, to better understand the correlation between relational connection and our own happiness. The correlation between relational kind of connection and our own happiness. And they titled the study The Emotional Life. And here's a, here's a quote actually from the documentary. It says this, it says, researchers have found that people are happier when they're with other people than when they're all alone. And the boost is the same, check this out, for both introverts and extroverts. Now, it's true. Introverts, you don't need as much of this, okay, as extroverts do, but we all need it. And here's what happens when we, when we have enough of these relationships, these relational connections. What they're finding is that, that happy people, surprisingly, happy people are more pleasant, helpful, and sociable. <laughs> so being around other people makes us feel happier, and when we are happier, we are more fun to be around, creating an upward spiral of happiness, I love that phrase, upward spiral of happiness. I think we're all, we're all familiar with kind of the downward, right, spiral of kind of depression. You've heard people talking, about, wow, he's kind of in a downward spiral of depression. What it's actually saying here is that when we live life in community, when we live life connected, we're in a circle on a consistent basis of friends, we actually get in this upward spiral of happiness. And that's what they describe here in Acts, 40, Acts 2, 46 and 47. Let's go back. Look at this. It says, Look at the words they've used, with glad. Okay, and sincere hearts. Praising God, enjoying, okay, the favor of all the people. This upward spiral of happiness. There's an emotional support spiritually, physically, emotionally. But let me also tell you something else. I think also it is the best way to accomplish the mission of Jesus. If the mission of Jesus is to help people find their way back to God, I'm telling you, circles. Rows are great. This is a great first experience for you. It's a great way for us to come and celebrate what God's doing in our lives and through our lives for us to worship together. But I'm telling you, circles are still better than rows. Here's what it says that happened in those circles. It says, and the Lord added their number daily those who were being saved. For the last several years, by, by God's grace here at Community, we've had the same experience. We've averaged, okay, across all our locations, we've averaged more than one person saying yes to Jesus and being baptized into Christ per day for the last several years. All right? And that's, 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 a, that's a God thing. And that is awesome. And one of the things that we do whenever someone gets baptized is we ask them to write their story. We ask them to say, hey, would you just write out your story to encourage other people who are also on their journey? And they, when they write out their story, and you've heard these stories, inevitably, inevitably, people will say things like, I want to thank my small group. They'll say, you know, I asked my small group leader to baptize me, which we encourage around here. Or they'll name a whole group of people that were close to them, influenced them, that helped them get through a spiritual struggle. Together. And, and you know what? Sitting here in rows, I love it. It helps. But when it comes to helping people find their way back to God, circles are better than rows. And here, here's what I want to do. I want to ask you this Right? Now. I, I want to be as, as bold and aggressive as you'll possibly allow me to be right here at the beginning of 2016. And I would love to see, and we have a high percentage of people already, but I would love to see every person in this room say yes to getting in a circle. I mean Every person. And so I'll tell you what. There's a number of ways. You, you, there's a number of ways you can, you can respond. One is go ahead and take out your program. Would you go ahead and take your program? You just grab that. If you notice on the back here. In a little bit we'll take up. Uh, we'll do giving back to God. And if you want, we have a number of different ways you can join a small group. You can join a community group where we'll actually talk about the big idea. A lot of them do. Where they take what we talked about, what I'm teaching on right now, and then you'll get a chance to discuss it, and apply it to your life. There's also support and recovery groups. There's women groups, Alpha groups, Financial Peace, Life Map. Quite frankly, if you fill out, just fill this out, they'll follow up and they'll give you more information about that. For some of you, maybe, you know what, I, to, I was going like, we need, we need options for people. Here, here's the easiest option right now. Just, just grab your phone right now, if you want, and you can just text SG info, that's small group info, SG info, to 313131, and we have a small group team that'll follow up with you and, and give you information about all the different kinds of groups that we have. Um, you can also stop, if you want, just you want to talk to a person, stop the, at the Yellow Box Welcome Center on the way out, or you can even visit our website. But I'll tell you, this is the way God meant for you to live. This is the way that God designed for you to grow best spiritually. This is what's best for you and what's best for our church and best for the mission. And I would love to see every person, every person get in a small group. Here's the thing, too. As I read the rest of the New Testament, too, did you know this? Fifty-nine different times, fifty-nine different times, either Jesus or the disciples use this phrase, one another. The phrase, one another. One another. They talk about accepting one another, serving one another, be patient with one another, forgive one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, offer hospitality to one another. And then it kind of culminates with Jesus saying, <clears throat> he says this in John 13, 35, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know how that happens? How does that happen? It happens in circles. That's how it happens, in Relationships. I was doing an internship, Uh, this is uh, right towards the end of college, Um, and I I got to, out in Southern California, I got to hear a guy speak named Juan Carlos Ortiz. Juan Carlos Ortiz, at the time, pastored one of the largest churches in South America, and was a remarkable, remarkable communicator. And he told this story that I'll never forget, and it's a story about about what happens, the remarkable things that happen when a church finally breaks out out of its rows into circles. And Ortiz, <clears throat> he described his church, it was this Pentecostal church, very fiery, very energetic. Uh, and that particular Sunday, he says, the, the voices of people were singing with, with passion, enthusiasm, and kind of a charismatic fervor. <clears throat> and all the people were sitting in their pews there, and they're waiting for him to deliver the message. And he was going to deliver a message straight from the Bible on loving one another. And he said, I had I, I worked hard on this talk. I had prayed for this talk. I felt, I felt convinced this is exactly what God wanted me to, to deliver that day. And so he said, I, I approached the stage and I was approached the podium with confidence and boldness. And he said, but something happened. He said, something happened about halfway from where I was sitting to the point where I got to the podium. He said, it's like I heard a voice in my spirit say, One. And so in my own mind, I said, yes, Lord? And the voice said to him, he said, How many times have you preached on this passage in this church? And he said to himself, and what he thought was God, he said, I don't know, maybe, maybe a dozen? And then as he was about to step forward and, and speak, he heard the same voice say to him, Did any of those messages do any good? And in that moment, he suddenly realized he had the wrong talk, the wrong message. And he kind of stood there frozen in front of everybody. And he looked over the congregation and he saw people that he'd, he knew over the years had found their way back to God, people that he'd counseled, people that he'd visited in the hospital, he'd got through crisis. But he also saw a group of people who had heard this message over and over and over again, but actually struggled to really live it out in real life. And so everything he prepared for kind of evaporated, and he just kind of stood there frozen in front of the church. And then finally he spoke and he just said, Love one another. And he walked back to his seat and he sat down. <laughs> he said the people were just like in kind of motionless silence. He said, this Pentecostal church that he led, he said, they they love, you know, passion and fire and praise and stuff, but they didn't know what to do when everything was quiet. (laughs) And so after about a minute, he got up and he walked back into the podium and and again, he said, he said, just simply said, love one another. And he went back and he sat down. He said this time he noticed other people's heads started turning from side to side. People started looking at each other with questions in their eyes. Kind of like, what should we do? They shrugged their shoulders. Kind of eyebrows were raised. There was kind of this bewilderment on a lot of people's faces. And then after waiting a few minutes, Ortiz again walked up to the podium. This time he positioned himself, got a little more deliberate, a little more punch. And he said, love one another. And he went back to his seat. He said, after a few moments, one of the guys in the audience, one of the guys in the crowd stood up and said to everybody else, brothers and sisters, I think I understand what Pastor Ortiz is talking about. He's asking us to love each other. And then what he did, he pointed to a family that was seated in front of him, in the row in front of him, and he said, but how can I love you when I don't even know your name? And so then the man proceeded to actually introduce himself and his family to their family so they could actually know each other and have a relationship. So maybe he could actually begin to do some of the stuff that they'd been learning about loving one another. Another man stood up and said, I think I understand what Pastor Ortiz is saying. He wants me to love Carlos, who is three rows back, who I have a grudge against. And so he went back to Carlos and he talk, they began to talk and they began to apologize and they began to reconcile. And he said, pretty soon the floodgates kind of opened up and people got up and they began to kind of circle amongst themselves and they began to ask each other what they could do for one another. And he said, that Sunday, incredible things happened. He said a husband and wife who had had actually come to the city seeking medical treatment for for their little girl didn't actually have enough money to get back home and so somebody paid for them to get on a bus so they could actually get the whole family back home. Somebody else somebody else came, was looking for a job, didn't have, didn't have employment, met somebody who owned a business. They met with each other, and he said, yeah, I, 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 I would love to have you come to work for me. He got a job that morning. Ortiz went on and said, "Well, all this was going on, I just sat in my chair praying and watching perhaps maybe the most powerful message I'd ever delivered in the history of that church. And he would tell you that the church, that church would never be the same. In fact, he wrote a book, a remarkable book called Disciple. The church would never be the same from that point on. And what he learned that day is this, that circles are better than rows. That circles are even better than rows. And here it is. I, I, I don't know how emphatic I have to put it. But I'm absolutely convinced that loving one another is only going to happen. And all that God wants for you to happen in your life relationally emotionally, physically, and spiritually, I'm telling you, it's only going to happen when you do life in circles, in a small group. So let me be as absolutely clear as I can. I, th- I, I think what God's Word is saying, I think His intention, the way He has you wired up as people, is He wants every one of us to do life in circles. I believe that none of us will ever experience what God meant for us to experience or be all that God meant for us to be without authentic, biblical community that comes through a circle of small, of, in a small group. And here's the thing, I'll just say on my own behalf, over the years I've been a part of a lot of groups. Those people over the years have been some of my best friends. When Sue and I, when Sue and I first got married, we, I mean it was probably the best party of my life, the people that danced on that dance floor, there a lot of those people were people that were from my small group. When my daughter Amy, my son Josh, my son Caleb were born, it was people in my small group who came to the hospital to visit me and gave gifts to us and celebrated with us. When our marriage struggled early on, you know what? It was a small group of people that says, oh, we've been through that, we can get you through that, and they prayed for us. When we were sick, it was small groups of people that made meals for us. It was, it was actually, it was a couple of my small group when I was, when I was in my late 20s who put their arms around me and said, let me show you how to make a budget. <laughs> let me show you how to save money, Dave. I know you're gung-ho about raising money. Let me show you how you can raise money and you're not going to go broke in your old age. And he actually showed me how to do it, and this guy gave me 50 bucks a month for a whole year just so I could figure out how to do this. When my car broke down, it was somebody in my small group that said, hey, here, use my car, which was a lot nicer car. <laughs> right? Some of you are going, you know what? I don't think I want to be in a group with him. He's going to work me to death. <laughs> but you know what it is? No, those are people that became my friends. And we loved each other. I want to go back to our opening question. Are you observant? This half of the room. When you looked over here, What did you see? This half of the room. When you begin to look over here, what did you see? Now, maybe you did. Maybe it was obvious, oh, I noticed we're sitting in rows. Maybe that's one of the things you observed. But let me tell you what maybe you didn't see. What People over here, I'm telling you, there's a whole bunch of people out here right now. They need you. They need you. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, missionally, they need you. And there's going to come a time, okay, let's don't kid ourselves, but you're going to need them. We need each other. And now I'm not going to let you guys off the hook over here. When you look over here, I don't know what you saw. But I'm going to tell you, there's people over there that need you. And there's going to be a time, because we all go through it, whether, whether it's relationally or, or financially or, 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 or physically, where we need other people to come through for us. You're going to need them. And God meant for us to do life in circles. And so I challenge you. You know what? Fill out that perf. Put it in the offering bag. Say, yeah, give me some more information. Text that. S, small group info. SG-INFO to 313131. You know, go visit our website. Go back, stop at the Welcome Center. I'm telling you, here's the bottom line. You need people. People need you. And I love Rose. This is, I mean, I love talking to you guys like this. Hopefully this is inspiring you, but I'm telling you what, this is nothing, 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 okay, compared to life in a circle. That's where the real action is. Circles are better than Rose. All right? Let's pray. Father God, I ask that every one of us, I ask that you give us the courage to take that next step. We know that part of your plan for us is to celebrate, connect, and contribute. And Lord, for some of us, we're, we're kind of stuck on that celebration. But let this year, 2016, a brand new year, let that be the year where we take the next step. and We say, you know what? I want to check out a small group. I want to check out life in a circle. I know there's people that need me, and I know there's going to be times when I'm going to need people. We need each other. Lord, this is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.